Welcome back to another episode here on Coach's Corner. I am Polly Barr, the founder of Identity of One Coaching, and I specialize in helping men and women like yourself break free from your past and identify your true identity, which will uncover your gifts and talents that are on purpose for your life of freedom. As you dive into this podcast, grab a pen and pad, your favorite flavored coffee, or whatever you may be into this very moment, and get ready for tips and nuggets to help set you free. If there is anything on any one of these episodes that has brought value to your life, do me a huge favor, my friend, and drop me a review down below here on Apple Podcast. You can also follow me on Spotify and iHeartRadio, and we're also on Audible and Pandora in all of your favorite podcast apps. So with that being said, let's dive in. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode here on Coach's Corner. I am so blessed and so excited because we have Taryn Walton in the house, and I'm going to try to say this without having a tongue twister. <laughs> she, she is from Helping Hurting Hearts Ministry. Boom shaka. Um, and just her story in itself is just so, so awesome. And so this is... Um, her bio right here, she is a mother, a wife, and an author and inspirational speaker. She has dedicated her life to serving God and speaking to the broken hearted. She's a wife of 23 years to the wonderful Mr. Walton through this union. There are seven children, 16 grandchildren, two daughters-in-law, and one son-in-law. And through this journey of pain and adversity, she began to meditate on the word of God. Now watch this. As God began to heal Taryn, her heart had become heavy for God's hurting men and women. All right. And that's one of the reasons why I brought her on the show. I met her through Clubhouse and she's been in, in some of um, our rooms and you know part of our club. And man, just the authenticity, the transparency is what caused me to engage with her and say, you know what? Will you come on Coach's Corner Podcast? So I'm so honored and so thankful, Taryn, for you coming in. So I'm going to shut my mouth for the next few <laughs> minutes and allow you to introduce yourself. Let us know where you're coming in from. And let's dive into this conversation. Hi, I'm Taryn Walton. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I thank you, Paul, so much for this. I give God the glory over my life. And yes, I've been through so much. But if I can just start with the suffering at the age of 10, going through molestation at an early age in life, doing things to a man that a child had no business doing. And a lot of times we don't understand and we don't even know. Sometimes we even blame ourselves. And I remember feeling so abandoned when I was going through so much because my father wasn't in my life. So I felt like I was a daddyless daughter. But in the midst of the rejection and the abandonment from my father, I didn't understand why he wouldn't come around. But there were times that I would see my father come around and my mother would open the door and she would ask him, did he have any money? And he would say no. And she would shut the door and say, until you have money, you can't come. So a lot of times we as women and mothers, we don't just care at that moment about the children, what they are feeling and what the pain will be not being able to see a parent, a mother or a father, because it's always about money. And in that midst of that, just going through that, I began to teach my own sons that if you don't have any money, spend quality time with your children because it's better than any amount of money. But right. going through so much without having my father in my life, I became promiscuous at an early age in life. And a lot of times when we go through... Um, molestation we there's a spirit of uh perversion at an early age 
Mm. So I began to uh, date at an early age in my life because I began to look for love in all the wrong places because I didn't have my father there. And I began to date by the age of, uh, I was pregnant at 14. I gave birth to my child at the age of 15. Not only that, thinking that I was love, I was going through abuse as a teenager every day for two years. A lot of times they talk about abuse with adults, but it's in children too. It's just hidden. I remember hiding my bruises when I would take baths and showers and making sure that the door would be locked so that my mother wouldn't see the bruises that were on my body. And a lot of times we as women and men, and we go through abuse because men go through, through abuse too. Right. It starts with verbal abuse. And then it becomes a push, a push becomes a slap, a slap becomes a closed fist. And sometimes feet are used. And I experienced all of that. And I remember that I had had enough because I was pulled down 17, 18 steps. And I was holding my son on my side, which is, was his son. And he began to pull me down the steps. And I was able to put my child down and shut the door so he wouldn't crawl out and fall down the steps. But I was pulled down the steps by my hair and I was stumped till I couldn't be stumped anymore. And that was enough for me to say enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. But when I walked away from that, I felt like a burden had been lifted off of me. So now I'm thinking I'm free because I'm not in this abusive relationship anymore, but I was still hurting and broken. And not only that, at the age of 17, I remember um, coming out of my own home. I was on a punishment and I snuck out of the house. And coming down the alley, I seen a classmate. I saw him, I spoke to him and I looked back and he was gone so quickly. And I was like, wow, where did he go? But at that time, he I was pulled in a vacant garage, um, home in the back of the garage and and he raped me and not only that he had a knife and told me if i was uh, scream or do anything that he would kill me so here i am again i didn't say anything about the rape because being quiet had become normal for me going through the age of 10 and not telling anything and a lot of times people don't understand you know they'll be like you were 12 or 13 and 14 and you're being raped and molested and you don't tell anybody but a lot of times people don't understand but those that have been molested and raped they do understand that they would scare you. And I remember him cutting a cat's stomach open and telling us if we would tell that this is what he would do to my mother. So you love your mother enough not to see her, you know, cut up or killed or anything. So you're going to do what you've been told to do. Right. So here, here I am again. I'm hurting again. I'm back in this place of brokenness and I just didn't know what to do. So I began to just walk around in life hurting. I wanted my father, still not having the love of my father, still dating and just doing things. I just didn't know what to do. And at that time now, by the age of 21, I had all of my children. But I began to date who I thought was the love of my life. Well, this is my husband's now, but we were dating early. I was broken. My husband was broken. I couldn't do anything for him, and he couldn't do anything for me. We were both broken, and we were walking around like a kindle of fire. So I didn't know what to do, and I decided to just, I was tired, and I had got back into a dark place in my, my life. So here I am thinking, this is just too much for me. So I had a mother, she taught us about God at an early age in life. And not only that, I began to pray. I was just tired, but I had got to a dark place in my life. I got to a place of depression and I just was tired. I didn't want to live anymore. And being in that dark place, I began to think about being misused and abused again, being pushed away from family, did not understand because I didn't fit in at that time. 
with the things that they were doing. And so sometimes people feel like you think you're better than them or this or that, not knowing that God was isolating me from who he had called me to be. But I didn't know at that time that was the reason that I was like being isolated and I wasn't doing some of those things. And people wow. you like you up or think you better than people. So I began to cry because I so much and I got to a place of depression in my life. I was in a dark place in my life. I didn't want to live anymore. And I tried to commit suicide. And um, I remember being rushed to the hospital. And when I was rushed to the hospital, she told me, she said, um, I'm not going to admit you, nor will I put this in a computer because this will follow you. But hold on to that because that is going to be the part of my testimony. I did wow. not understand. And I'm saying to myself, um, how in the world do she sit here and tell me she's not going to put me in the hospital or anything and I'm hurting? I can't believe this, that she doesn't even care. And she released me to go home. She did not admit me or anything. So I'm thinking I'm okay for a while. But then I got back into that dark place in my life. This time with, it was with depression and everything. And I remember coming home. And just laying around in the bed every day from work. And I would just cry like a little baby all the time. My daughter, she was young at the time. And she would always rub on me. And she would lay in that dark room with me. And she would always say, Mom, it's going to be okay. God going to bless you. You're going to be okay. And I would just lay there with her. She would lay with me for hours in the dark room. I didn't want to do anything. And I, but only thing that I was doing, I was playing Juanita Biden's song, You Are My Peace. I didn't know what I was doing at that time when I was playing that music. All the whole time I'm crying for hours, I would let that song play over and over in my spirit. Mm. And I began to get to a place of peace in my life, but I was still just a little broken. I was working on a job and I was ministering to women, but I would come home and open the door and I would cry out to God because I'm ministering to God's people and I'm still broken. Come on. So I'm back to a place and I'm not understanding why I'm still hurting and I'm talking to your people. So I was back to where I was and I began to, I had tried to commit suicide a couple of years later and older in my life. And here I go again, trying to commit suicide again. I just didn't want to live anymore. But this second time was different. I remember with the pills in my hand, I was sitting on the toilet stool and I remember my mom's voice when I put the pills in my hand, I can hear her voice so loudly. And what she will say, my name, nickname is Terry. And she's, I can hear her saying, Terry, she told me years ago, when you get to a place in God and you don't know what to do, she said, just call out his name, Jesus, 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 because his name is more powerful than anything. And the second time that I had the pills in my hand, I began to cry out to God so loudly and I began to cry so hard. But it gave me enough strength calling out his names to put the pills back in a bottle. But I remember that wow. day debating with God because I heard the voice so loud when I was walking out of the bathroom and God said, I'm going to let you live to speak to other women's. And I debated with him. I said, I'm not going to talk to your women. I don't care about your women. You didn't care about me. You didn't let anybody talk to me and you didn't let anybody minister to me. And I said, I'm not going to do anything for you. And I do not care. <laughs> so, but we, we know that God's will will be perfected. And so as Amen. I began to go in life, I still was, uh, I began to just talk to women, not knowing what I was doing, even though I said I would not still begin to talk to women. I told, I don't understand why I'm so broken. I'm talking to your women and nothing's happening for me. And God told me to use the very words that I was ministering to the broken women to speak life into myself. And I began wow. to speak life into my own self. And I was like, wow. And when I began to speak life into myself, I began to go through some things, but I began to go through in peace. I began to read the word of God and I 
came across Philippians 4.13 that I could do all things through Christ Jesus. And I held on to that scripture. And as I began to read, then I came to Matthew 11, my God, 28 through 30, that God said if we cast up, began to cast our cares upon him because he hears the brokenhearted. And I held on to that. I'm like, wow, God would take the very broken pieces of my life and use it to get glory over my life. And I come on. That is, I love that scripture to this day. That is one of the scriptures, the two scriptures that I hold on to in my life. But I began to get to a place and I began to speak to God, read the word, and I got strength enough to have enough strength and peace to do what God has called me to do. And sometimes we get around certain women and we see people and like, is this the way I'm supposed to live? But then I'm living for God. And at the same time, sometimes you get to a place and you don't understand and not knowing. A lot of times we think we can't have fun when we're in Christ Jesus. So I got to that point where I had one foot in the world and I had one foot out of the world. So now it looks like my friends over here are having fun and it looks like I'm bored being in Christ Jesus. So now I'm going to begin to do the things that my friends were doing. And things begin to fall apart in my house because now I'm doing, I'm sinning, I'm doing all of this, and now there's no covering over my family. And I had to realize that sin only lasts but for a minute. But so much began to happen with my children and my husband. So much was going on. And I'm like, oh, my God. I began to fall to my knees and I told God, no sin is greater than the love that I have for my family. Lord, I cry out to you. I yield to you. I surrender to you. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I began to repent to God like never before. So I know how it is to have one foot in the world and one foot out of the world because you're trying to please God and your friends at the same time. But I realized and I had to, the word showed me that I can only serve one master and I had to make a decision to choose God. Either my friends were going to take me back to the world or I'm going to begin to minister to them and bring them over with me to know who God was. Wow. And as wow. I began to minister to God and I begin to the women and I, begin to meet women and there was some times where jealousy would come up and you know you're doing things and I'm like this is not right and I began to talk to God and say Lord I need you to send great women before me to teach me and lead the way oh God I know you're spiritual but down here I need someone to show me the way and I began to meet some great women of God here and I, I remember going out by myself and I'm saying I'm going to start going to places by myself and I began to go to women conference and everything and I realized that I can be in Christ Jesus I can be happy I can have peace but God I met the right women in my life and they are still in my life to this day and I thank God for those women because I saw how you are supposed to live in Christ Jesus and not be playing with God, but read his word, pray his word. And I became, one thing I've learned about my mother, she was a praying woman. And we imitate things that we see and that we do. And that was one of the things that I imitated her was to go into the bedroom and pray for an hour or more because this is what I saw her do. And there were times when it came to my children with the enemy, it's like, you, this ain't what you want. You want to mess with mine. And I would take them shoes off and go in that bedroom and perform <laughs> prayer mode for my children and my grandchildren. This is not what you want, Satan. Absolutely. Because we have got to pray for our children. We have got to hold them up when when they're doing things that they're not supposed to do because we've been children ourselves and we know the mistakes that we made as a mother or a father. So we have to pray for our children. And a lot of times when we're in Christ Jesus, we forget about those that are still hurting and most of the time those that are still hurting they're our family members so now right. i've got christ jesus and i'm at a place of peace but my babies are still broken my babies are still hurting i'm still just 
where I used to be, but my husband's still broken, my children broken, and they tore from the floor. And we begin to minister to men and women on the outside, but we forget about our family that's on the inside. That's, Come on. And I begin to tell God, wait a minute, Lord, my children are torn from the floor. They are full of pain. I'm ministering to your children out here, but my babies need me. I need to get to a place in God where I need to start praying for my own children. And I remember when God gave me the book to write, Damaged Children, Healing Hearts to Love Again. And I said, Lord, I can't write this book with my babies broken like this. They've got to be healed or this book will be a lie. But boy, we have to be careful what we pray for. Because on, in the process of writing that book, I have to begin to heal. My children have to heal. And I had to get to a place of going to counseling. I remember my son... Um, he was hurting, and when he would drink, he would always call me and say things, and I would hang the phone up and tell him, you're not going to be disrespecting me. But he wasn't disrespecting me. It was me being embarrassed of the mistakes that I made as a mother, and I wow. continued to walk in denial because the things that he said were hurting me. But there was a time when he called. i never forget January the 1st, 2018, and I want 2019, I wanted to hang that phone up so badly but god told me at this time i couldn't hang up i had to listen to my son's heart and i was crying like a little baby when my son was talking to me on the phone i was at work and i had to come out of the office and i told god when i got off the phone i said not only do my son needs prayer lord he needs professional help and we've mm -hmm. told as black people if if you go and get help that's embarrassing or you look like you crazy but that was the best decision i ever made because we walk around here and my son was 34 years old. We sat on that couch. I was sitting there watching a 34-year-old man weep like a baby because there was a 14-year-old little boy on the inside of him that needed healing. And not him, but as I sat there, I had there was a 10-year-old little girl on inside of me that needed healing. See, I, we, we are good for dressing up our pain, the pretty hair, the makeup, and the clothes. And we're walking around, and nobody sees in the midnight hours when we're crying out to God, saying, Lord, I need you like never before. Help me, God. I need you to take the pain away. Lord, heal my broken heart and my woundedness. We get to a place, and we have to begin to ask God to operate from the inside out. Take out everything, my God, that's not like you, oh God. Come on. So that was the best decision I ever made. And I had to go through, I have four children. I had to go through one by one with the healing process. And it was not easy at all. It hurt. I cried like a baby. My children cried when they talked about what they wow. wanted to say. And one thing about our children, when they begin to speak, when they're hurting, those words will cut you deep. But mm -hmm. the children hurting from pain of the past that had manifested into matters of the heart. See, pain doesn't have an age to it. And I found that out when I had to go through a process with my own children, because two years ago, they were 38, 36, 34, and 32. And I could not debate what, what, what's on the inside of our children. We say this didn't happen. That didn't happen. We don't get to debate what's in the inside of our children's heart. If That's they're right. hurting, they are hurting. And there's nothing we can do about that. But one thing I learned with God, all things are possible if we just believe. I had to get to a place of fasting and praying for my children because I told God, not only do we need to be healed and restored, Lord, we need to be made whole all over again. 
And as we continue, we have to get to a place of accountability of who our children are becoming and who they have became because of the mistakes that we made. Not what man did, not what gangs did, but pain comes from home when they are little children is where the pain starts. And when they become adults, it has manifested into the heart. And God has to heal our children. And it's not an easy process to go through. But God can do what no man can do. He can do the impossible and we does the possible. And it's it was possible for me to pray and trust in him and have the faith to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And because I hold on to God's unchanging hand. And what I know is God's promises are yes and amen. And my God, they shall come to pass. And when I know that God said that he would never leave me nor forsake me, that he's omnipresence wherever I am, he's there. Even in the midnight hours when I begin to call out to him, my God, he is there. So I just thank God for all that he's done in my life and what I've been through. And like I say, we, I, I, God has turned my uh, mess into a ministry. Every pain that I had endured had become the purpose that God had for me. Every trial and tribulation had became the testimony that God has placed on the inside of me. I heard somebody not too long ago say, testimonies do not expire. And as we continue to tell people about the goodness of Jesus, as we continue to be transparent with what we've been through, transparency brings deliverance, the truth, to know who God is and what he's going to do no matter what happens in life. If we just stand and trust in him, He's going to do everything that he says he's going to do. Oh, yes, it's a process, but it's going to happen. God is an on-time God. He's never late. Never seen the righteous forsaken are his children begging for bread. Even in the financial crunch that people are going through now, God is still in the midst of it. I've seen people be promoted on their jobs in the midst of this pandemic. God is moving like never before, and He, we have got to trust in him. Because God is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He make ways out of no ways when there is no way. He can do what nobody can do. There is no situation or circumstance I've learned when it comes to God that he can't do and that he can't change. So I just thank God that all that he's done for me and what he's still doing in my life, he gets the glory, not me. God gets the glory over everything that he's done. I've seen him move like never before in my life, my children's life, my family's life. I stand in proxy every day eat at five in the morning praying. I have a praying partner. We're on the phone praying every day for our families. Monday through Friday, we're on that phone praying for families. We're praying for people. It's not just selfish prayers. It's praying for everybody because we're trusting at his word that he said his promises are yes and amen. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And we have to trust that he's going to do what he says, exactly what he's going to do. Whew. Preach. <laughs> My God, listen, there's so much, there's so much in there that you are bringing to the table. Number one, you know, one of the questions that I had wrote down as you had started, but you answered that because through the process, <clears throat> you begin to surround yourself with godly people. 
You begin to surround yourself with people that were lifting you up, people that were going to be real with you, people that were going to hold you accountable, people that were going to speak life, people that are going to rebuke you, people that are going to say, rise up. It's time to it's time to go to war. And that is one of the most powerful things that any of us could ever have is accountability, sponsors, mentors, pastors, coaches, whatever you want to call it. I love it. And the other thing that stood out to me when when you were getting upset, there's a phrase that I learned years ago. You hate your sin when you see it in someone else. Right. And that's that's power because when you see it, you get frustrated with it. You want to help them so bad, but then you're still mad at them because they're you're like, did you not learn from me? You know what I'm saying? And that is one of one of the deepest things that we could ever teach somebody is to walk alongside somebody when you do see your sin in someone else. And I love about what you said, and it ain't just the black culture. It's the Mexican culture too, where why are you going to a counselor? Why are you going to a therapist? Why are you doing this? Like what, you know, my home, it was all about what, what happens at home stays at home. Right. Like you don't, you don't talk against the family. And so it's, it's, it's powerful that, like you said, your 30, your, your 34 year old son is crying like a baby, but you were also the 10 year old crying. And this right. is where, where people don't understand sometimes is why does an addict act a certain way? Or why does somebody who's abused act a certain way? Because the moment that the trauma trauma begins is where their mentality is stuck. And so when I got freed from, 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 from drugs and alcohol, I was 28, 30, 29 years old. I still had to catch up from the 16 year old boy. And right. so the mentality <laughs> is, is stuck there until God can get you back to the place. And I'm still a little cray cray. I'm just going to be honest. Um, You know, I'm just, I'm that humorous guy because I look at it this way. God uses everything. He works all things together for good for those who love him and that are called to his purpose. And so your story is really talking about his purpose. We get so caught up sometimes in our identity, trying to find out, God, what's my purpose? When the scripture says that love him and that are called to his purpose. And so he is our father. We are the vessel. Yes, the things have happened to us. He's not a cruel God that's like, well, you went through that, so I'm going to use that. No, what he's (laughs) saying is, listen, my grace is sufficient. The apostle Paul said, remove this thorn from me. This thing that's after me every single day, get rid of it. And what did Christ say? My my grace is sufficient. And that's where it's powerful to be able to hear this type of ministry, this ongoing passion to help people and then praying for people. Um, I may have... I may be sliding some prayers over to you because we do a, a uh, ministry every morning called Wake Up in the Word. It's at 6.30 a.m. Central Time on Facebook. You can go to the like page, Wake Up in the Word, every weekday. And, you know, just pray for the ministry because it is, we're on, I think, episode 183, 84. Uh, we've been doing it since since June 9th of last year. Every weekday morning, we're on there. 
And there's people with prayer requests. There's testimonies that, I mean, we cry on there. There's, there's healing happening. And the powerful thing about what you are doing is number one, helping hurting hearts ministry. That in itself is a phrase that ought to slap the devil silly (laughs) because when God has called you to a certain thing, and I love what you said, turning my mess into a ministry, right? Not, not just a message, but your mess into a ministry. We sometimes so many people run from the ministry because they think ministry is in this office, this cool thing. They're handed the keys to the church. No, baby. Ministry (laughs) is a school of hard knocks. You're going to go through some persecution. You're going to go through some suffering. You're going to go through some backbiting. You are going to go through some pain and, and, and adversity. And so I love, love, love this whole entire story. Um, And then the other thing is testimony does not expire. What? That right there just like totally just blew my mind. It never expires. Your testimony will never expire. There is no expiration date. There is no clearance sticker on your testimony. It ain't being sold for something cheaper than what it was put on the market. You follow what I'm saying? This ain't. This ain't Tuesday morning at Kroger. No, this is this is <laughs> you you paying full price, and this is what this testimony is, and yeah. that's the part that people don't understand. Salvation is free, but it comes with a price. Yes, it does. Period. Because you are you are going to walk through some fire, but when God is with you, that fire becomes nothing but another flame. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, this yeah. is just. This is just some deep stuff, Taryn, and I am just so, so blessed. So let us know where all of that, you know, you have a heart to help men and women. Let's talk about the ministry part, because I love the after. You know me, it's all about the after. So what is the after of all of that that happened? Where are you at today? Well, uh, well, a pandemic at this time will usually... Once a year, we're having a women's conference for women, prayer breakfast for women, and God moves mightily, changed the hearts of women, salvation, prayer. It's just so amazing to just be doing things that God has called us to do. And not only that, supporting other women, other women in Christ, going to hear them speak and what they're doing. And our church itself, Renewing Life Church, with my pastor and first lady, we're doing things in the neighborhood. We're out of Ferguson, so you know a lot with that story with Ferguson. So and we're doing what we can with our church in the neighborhood. It's just a blessing what God is doing, even in the midst of the pandemic. It's not much that people are able to do because of that, but we're still moving. And I just thank God for where we are and what he's doing. God is just so amazing. I'm still on my job ministering. It's so funny because um, being rushed to the hospital 20 years ago for my um, suicide attempt, the lady told me, she said, I'm not going to admit you, nor will I put this in the computer because this will follow you. That's because God knew that 20 years later that I would put in for a job at that, uh, put in for employment at that job. And that's where I work now. I've been there for 11 years. What? The very room that I laid in, I now minister to those women 
that everything that they've been through, the suicidal attempts, the molestation, the rape, everything that the physical violence, those are the women that I minister to. So God set me up 20 years ago when I did not understand why this lady wouldn't admit me or put me in the hospital because she said it will follow me. I work in security. I would never been able to get that job being admitted for that. So God knew that he would use me. So we never know what God is going to do. That is such a blessing. And I remember getting that job. And I remember 11 years ago, the very day that I began to minister to someone in that room. And when I walked out of that room, I said, you know something, God, you set me up 20 years ago. You knew I would come to this very place where I wanted to die. And I would begin to speak to your women. So God is so amazing that he will take the very broken pieces of your life and he would use it to get the glory so i just thank him and it's just so women go through so much and they don't understand i remember myself not even loving myself and i had to get to a place of loving myself mm. and, and i began to stand in the mirror and i began to talk to myself and cry so hard but I, what i realized that my voice spoke louder than anybody's voice other than mine and i began to speak loudly and tell myself that i love myself and all i can hear was my my voice and nobody else's you know that just that just totally blew me away. I'm glad that you brought that up because the same room, the same place that somebody said, no, nah, we ain't gonna write that down. <laughs> is the same, it's the same place that God anchored you in. And it reminds me of Elijah. Elijah went out into the wilderness. God fed him. He sent the the raven. He sent the food. He sent the water. He sent all that. He was fed. The angel met with them, all of that. Then he said, you good? You cool? You fed? Cool. Now go back from where you came from. And that's, that's where people got to understand this because this is so, so good. People need to understand. Listen, sometimes God will take you back to the very place that you ran from. He will take you to the very place in these pivotal moments of your life. I was able to see a a friend of mine this morning that I haven't seen in 34 years Wow! from high school, from a small town. His sister was my best friend. She lives an hour from us. We just recently moved to Colorado, found out that she lives an hour from us. So we've been in contact. Her and her husband came and stayed here at the house, blah, blah, blah. And so we were just talking about how I ended up in this small town 34 years ago. And it was funny because she was like, out of all the places in the world, you, you know, you were put in that little town. We had this great year and then 34 years of no contact, contact. Thank God for Facebook. (laughs) We connected moved to Colorado, come to find out she's only an hour from my house. And it was, it's just crazy how God will connect you back to the places and the origin of those, of those things sometimes that you either run from or you were separated from because (laughs) time and space had to happen in order for things to work out. And so, man, I'm just so blessed by this conversation. Um, There's so much here. There is so much here and I would love to have you back because there, there's just, there's just too much stuff to cover in, in 35 minutes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, from, from, from being pregnant at 14 years old and then just life began that, I mean, that in itself, just from the 14 to the 21, that's one podcast. 
You know what I'm saying? And then from the 21 to the 30, that's another podcast. And so <laughs> I'm just so blessed. And I know that all of our listeners are sitting there just going, wow. So here's what I'm getting out of this. And then when, when I'm done, I would, I would, I would be honored if, if you would, um, speak life into whatever circumstance, whatever situation that you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you to speak to, uh, to that one person. But the powerful thing about this, the powerful thing about this story is that you never gave up. Right. And, and, and so many people will give up. Did you get weary? Yes. And that scripture, I love the book of Matthew because he says, come to me all who labor in vain. I will, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My yoke is light. Exchange that with me. And so when you stand on these words and you stand on the Bible, you stand on the word of God, people don't get it sometimes. Even, even people that have been churching for 30 years and they're still in the same place. It's like, listen, don't be the guy that's sitting by the pool because Jesus is about to walk up and just say, yo, do you want to be made whole? Yeah, but there ain't no but. Get up, grab your stuff, and let's keep it moving. And so, th man, this has just been so, so good. So whatever you feel that's in your spirit to speak to that one person, uh, let it rip, and then I'm going to have you pray us out. Okay. If there's anyone on here that's going through anything maybe you feel like you want to commit suicide you don't want to be here anymore the pain is so severe god is a healer he's a restorer no matter what we've been through he's a forgiving god he's a god of first second third and fourth chances he did it for me and god is no respecter person so god is such an amazing god whatever you need just begin to pray like never before if you get to a place you don't know what to say you don't know how to pray there's no way to learn to pray it's just a conversation between you and god and if you just tell god what's going on he already knows your heart he he knows every tear that falls and he's going to take those tears and he's going to store them in the bottle for the next person that you will be able to minister to when god delivers you god is a forgiving god he's a loving god you want to be made whole. I know you may be in pain, but just trust him. Don't give up. Don't get in. God is there. He's omnipresent. He's all around. You may not even feel him. And when you cannot trace God, trust him, even when you cannot trace him. When you cannot hear that small, still voice, God is still in the midst of it all. So just give God a chance. You've done everything. You've gave everything a chance. You done tried everything, but it's time to try God. God, there's no situation or circumstance that he can't change. There's nothing too big for him. There is no one greater than him. There's no one more powerful than him. Just give your life to God. Begin to trust him no matter what you're going through. Amen. Say that again. When you can't trace him, trust him. Is that what you said? Even when you can't trace him, begin to trust him. I got that written down. <laughs> that is so good. I ain't never heard that before. When you can't even trace him, trust him. That is so, so good. So, Taryn, if you could do us a huge favor, my friend, and pray us out. 
We just thank you, oh God. We give you all the glory and honor and praise on this evening, oh God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that led, oh God, in the name of Jesus as we yielded to you, oh God. Father God, we thank you, oh God, for the brokenhearted, that you are a healer, you restore of your people. Not only do we need healing, not only do we need to be restored, but my God, we need to be made whole again. Father God, we ask that you go and you operate from the inside out, oh God. Operate on anything that's not like you. Remove it, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you, oh God. We magnify your holy name as we begin to stand firm, oh God, in the name of Jesus and trust in your word because your promises are yes and amen. And my God, they are going to come to pass. Father God, if we just wait on you, oh God, in the name of Jesus, almighty God, holy God, Father God, and trust in you and just stand, oh God. Even when we fall, oh God, Lord, you've given us someone that's going to stand in front of us and they're going to pick us up, oh God. Father God, when we get to a place in you where we can't even pray, oh God, even in the midnight hours, oh God, when we get into this fetal position and we can't even open our mouths, oh God, Lord, you've placed someone to pray over us. So we just thank you, oh God, and we glorify your holy name. We magnify you because you are worthy of the praise, oh God. We give you glory and we give you honor, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, Taryn Walton, for coming on. And y'all, y'all can follow her. I'm going to highlight it real quick. You can follow her at helpinghurtingheartsministry.com. All right. Follow her. Um, I'm sure you can follow her on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all of that good stuff. So guys, we are so blessed. And uh, if you want to connect with me, remember down down below on my link tree, you can go to all my different podcasts, connect with me through my website, all that good stuff. So with that being said, we will catch you on the next broadcast. <laughs> Taryn, thank you so much. You're this so has been a blessing. All right. So amen, amen. we love y'all. God bless you. Bye-bye.